Okay, all right. So, patrons and followers of Diplomacy Direct, basically geopolitics has three fundamental qualities as we know. It deals with questions of territorial influence and power, uh, uh, the usage of frameworks from geography to make sense of happenings in the world and which provides future-oriented insights. Now, looking at the recent development, like I said, you know, the one that we have covered with General Yadav, such as uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the gas market volatility of 2021, that has brought energy geopolitics to the forefront and further has complicated uh, the landscape in which bigger power politics actually operate, right? And today to discuss this, I have Dr. Aparajita Pandey, a PhD in Global Political Studies from JNU. She has had a stint at uh, being a professor at uh, MIT University and at the uh, Indian Council of uh, World Affairs. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, welcome to Diplomacy Direct, uh, Aparajita. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for the starters, uh, we understand that the geopolitics of oil and gas can be viewed as uh, resulting from balance between supply and demand, uh, which affects the power dynamics between energy exporters and importers. Uh, and then the energy security and the military strategy of major powers, among other things. Hmm. How would you place energy and energy resources among the greater domain of geopolitics and related to the changing order of global power play? Okay. Um... So when we talk about energy resources, and right now, for these answers, at least, I'm going to focus on the, um, you know, the traditional hydrocarbon derivatives, crude oil and natural gas. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have to understand um, that the earliest example of how to use energy resources in geopolitics or in foreign policy or to pressurize certain countries to act a certain way. I think the easiest example uh, would be the 1973 oil crisis, where uh, OPEC came together and uh, reacted in a certain manner mm -hmm. to, to something that was, uh, that was a dispute between two countries, mm -hmm. uh, Egypt and uh, Israel, mm -hmm. Egypt and Syria on one side and Israel on the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way energy prices shot up or crude oil prices shot up and the way countries had to react to that mm -hmm. was, I feel it's the first time in our general memory where energy was used in a, in a way uh, or energy resources were used in a way to further a certain agenda. Mm -hmm. and, in a conflictive uh, manner, actually. In a conflictive manner, whichever way you want to say it. The point was that they could further a certain, a certain agenda or they could pressurize countries to do a certain thing or to act in a certain way. And to an extent that also influenced how uh, countries viewed their energy policy or how they uh, going forward uh, started to look at their energy policy. I feel like a great example would be Brazil, 
where they started investing a lot in ethanol the pro alcohol uh, system where they were making ethanol based sugarcane based uh, fuel so mm. when we talk about energy especially at this point of time in geopolitics it becomes even more important because through these years our reliance on uh, on uh, crude oil and natural gas has only grown higher no mm-hmm. matter how much we talk about non renewable energy sources they have till now they've not been able to replace crude oil and natural gas completely and like you said military strategy your industrial growth your day to day running of a country kind of depends on all of this so no matter which country it is it is constantly looking for an energy for energy security you know india is looking for energy security so are other countries that actually have ample resources they're still looking for energy security they're looking at it from an economic point of view so energy i believe at this point of time energy resources are one of the mainstay when it comes to global when it comes to geopolitics and they are going to become even more important as technology gets better because even today we see that in in the term geopolitics geography is sort of taking steadily taking a back back seat we've uh, constantly talked about the tyranny of geography but now that we have all of this technology around us transportation is easier packaging is easier etc cetera, etc cetera. geography is still trying to is slow steadily taking a back seat but it's still become energy resources still remain as important as they were if not more so i feel that going forward they are only going to gain more importance even in a changing uh, global order whether it remains the same or not whether it is china or us on the top energy resources are always going to be very important for all countries involved yeah so basically we are uh, you know when you said that you know the logistics of energy has you know become uh, easy uh, we come to the pipeline that runs to europe from russia the nord stream the nord stream under the mm. baltic and everything mm. and so basically yes technology has made made things easier than what we had in past and since the industrial revolution the geopolitics of energy its supplies and security have been driving factor in global security and prosperity of any given region right the mm. energy security and the climatic change program leads the energy field in you know analysis that educates and drives the policy confronting the geopolitical energy challenges from time to time from regions to regions from parliaments to parliaments mm. okay over the coming decades energy politics will continue to become more complex right how would you trace their trajectory in given foreign relations um i feel uh, i will have to go back to my first answer a little bit for this uh, mm-hmm. the more we depend on energy resources 
Mm-hmm. And I, here I would like to include even the new age kind of uh, advancements in energy resources where you talked about a little, talked a little about uh, climate change also. So we are obviously trying to find uh, renewable, uh, you know, substitutes for, for hydrocarbon derivatives. Mm-hmm. Even then, the more we depend on energy, which is going to increase, that the more we depend on energy resources, whether renewable or non-renewable, the more they're going to play, uh, the, the more vital a role they're going to play in foreign relations. Mm-hmm. Even when we talk about renewable energy, we, when we talk about these electric cars, lithium batteries, you mm-hmm. know, suddenly countries become very important. Lithium is a rare earth metal. There is a lithium triangle in Latin, in Latin America. Lithium, mm-hmm. you can find it in Tibet. Suddenly, countries that were not on the map of global politics, so as to say, are now um, important players. And yeah. even if they are not important players, what happens is if a country cannot, uh, you know, the whole Dutch curse, where you have resources, but you cannot capitalize on it. So someone mm-hmm. else comes and capitalizes for you. Mm-hmm. In the event, making you richer in the short term and then poorer in the long term. Correct. So that, again, is a part of geopolitics. That is, again, a part of how power play happens. So foreign policies, um, I believe someone very much smarter than I, ha- I am has said that all politics is domestic. Mm-hmm. And foreign policy is sort of, uh, in, in, to some extent, a, a reflection of domestic politics. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about energy and we talk about energy sufficiency or uh, energy security, it is mm-hmm. one of the most primary objectives or primary needs for uh, a country to run itself, mm-hmm. uh, to govern itself, to be absolutely sufficient in its need for energy, to uh, have uh, energy accessibility for the largest uh, portion of its population as much as it can manage and also to have not just energy accessibility but uh, but focus on a stable reliable cheap supply of energy that is how um, somebody defines energy sufficiency as that mm-hmm. you have stable cheap reliable supply of energy mm-hmm. which i think a lot of countries at this point of time are failing at so if yep. we can have that uh, and if we, if Countries are going to and security from that. security from actually from perspective, not only from a physical perspective, but from a nat- natural poaching or a trade poaching uh, in terms of like you mentioned, a few Latin American countries, uh, they are uh, lithium rich. But yes. then according to the uh, USGS figures, hmm. uh, it says that though China is in the forefront of uh, lithium rich uh, you know uh, uh, natural uh, uh, you know resources they are Absolutely. still trying to stockpile buying uh, cheap uh, lithium from uh, chile and argentina so and then again back to your theory of rich now and poor later yes. so you know so that that's where the security comes into picture so Absolutely. I mean, if you look at China, uh, it's doing the same thing in Africa. It's bleeding, it's dry. And as I say all of this with an academic caveat, but the truth is the truth. Uh, There are countries who are going to go into countries that cannot uh, physically or economically defend themselves completely Mm -hmm. and take advantage of their natural resources. I mean, this has happened 
for centuries this happened during colonization is happening with this i feel is another kind of colonization that we see with the developing countries being plundered by developed ones mm-hmm. for their natural resources yep so again from the energy security perspective mm. has a perceptibility created as a you no know, niche for itself in the from indian perspective for the indian foreign policy making right and the high politics of energy security has already begun to actually define the foreign policy options for us mm-hmm. uh, controversial moves have happened by india that is you know signing of your uh, civilian nuclear energy cooperation agreement with us mm-hmm. and voting against iran in the uh, iaea illustrations uh, mm-hmm. that are there so extrapolating this what do you think how is india placed with regards to energy security and what are its implications on india's foreign policy decisions um i feel like uh, we have to i have to start with this fact that energy resources um you know these this is a this is a lottery it's a geographical lottery either you have it or you don't Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like a country can uh, uh, you know they they can't actually birth energy resources from somewhere so if your country is lacking in oil and gas which india is at current uh, at this point of time mm-hmm. we will have to go out and make strategic decisions and that is what mm-hmm. india is doing even today i mean when we look uh, going back to the russia ukraine conflict we abstained from voting in the unsc in the unga specifically because we do depend on russia for a certain amount of our energy i wouldn't say all of it uh, we were also getting uh, a chance to see uh, uh, we were also getting a chance where russia would sell us cheap oil and gas at pre war prices mm-hmm. these are strategic decisions these are things that uh, every country does to secure itself uh, in any position in any way it can i mean we are a country of more than a billion people mm-hmm. and making sure that all of them have some access to energy electricity oil gas etc is imperative it is uh, the most basic function of a country and uh, it's not just india you know if we look at the us in the past week they have actually loosened sanctions on venezuela something that hasn't happened in years Mm-hmm. only because they there's their uh, citizens are now prote- protesting against the very high petrol or as they call it gasoline prices so they are now expecting cheaper oil from venezuela so these are just strategic decisions that we have taken in the past like you mentioned uh, voting against iran in iaea etc mm-hmm. and these are strategic these are the kind of strategic strategic decisions that we are going to take in the future also because we need to continue to guarantee energy security or energy supply to our citizens and it also guarantees our growth so uh, till the time we are in some utopian uh, state where you don't need any sort of renewable or non renewable sources of energy to g- run a country mm-hmm. we are going to continue to make strategic decisions that might sound that might even look absurd to somebody looking in from the outside uh, there are a lot of american commentators who said that india is standing on the wrong side of history when mm-hmm. it 
when we decided to abstain from voting. But mm-hmm. then that is their perspective. And we are a sovereign nation and we made a strategic decision to do so. Mm-hmm. So, and that is our complete prerogative. So I see a lot of such strategic decisions in our future. And uh, I believe that they will work for us. So, Aparajita, you just said that, you know, India, uh, you know, geographically, one can get what one can get, right? A, a nation mm. can get what it can get. But yes. India has always been very bullish on its technology, its technical capabilities. And that is where, you know, if not lithium, then we are looking at different cell chemistries that are, you know, at various stages of commercialization as of now so we have you know tested and included options with uh, sodium ion or aluminum air or zinc air or you know super capacitors and you know hybrid technologies so on and so forth so basically we as as a technologically advanced nation are moving towards that uh, in india we have theorized the connection between energy systems and democratic political power, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. That the renewable energy opens opportunities for democratic energy development, right? And that that thought process has been our strength. But it is also known that this will create global tensions for energy democracy concerned governance, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, also with technology, also with geopolitical competing agendas. And uh, it is understood that attention is needed regarding how new energy sources are distributed in global equilibrium. Uh, What's your opinion, Aparajita? What would be the role of renewable energy sources in the eminent future in changing the global geopolitical landscape? Um, I feel like you cannot stop renewable energy or new technology from coming. Um, Like you said, we've been bullish on technology and that is going to happen in the future. I mean, there are enough incentives for the world to look for alternatives that are non-polluting, that are easy, that are cheap, that are uh, great substitutes to hydrocarbon derivatives. Mm -hmm. Something that you've already pointed out is that it takes time and it takes money to do so. Mm-hmm. There is, when we talk about the comparative advantage, when we look at the cost-benefit ratio, we have to see if it is actually advantageous for a country, whether it is India or another developing nation, to mm-hmm. look for substitutes at this point of time. Can we afford it? India might be able to, but then there are a lot of nations that can't. So we are fortunate like that, that we have a, hum- a huge human resource uh, pool which is really good at technology. And we have we also have enough capital to actually invest into um, uh, research and you know development. When it comes to renewable energy sources, it has been theorized that the more we mo- world moves toward renewable energy sources, countries that have oil-based economies are going to react in an unfavorable manner. There are going to be more conflicts coming up no matter how this, even uh, even when we talk about renewable energy sources, you know, we have this uh, sort of perception in mind that that is going to be clean and pure and pristine, but there is enough bloodshed behind that too. There is enough 
back-end policies, policies happen, yeah. happening behind that too. So when we look at renewable energy, we should not equate it to clean politics. We should not equate it to a pristine sort of future. No, this is just another way of, uh, this is just finding a substitute for a hydrocarbon derivative and the politics sadly remains the same. There is still going to be a race for making sure that all the patents come to you. There's still going to be a race to make sure that you have the better technology, that you become the sole supplier of something new and shiny. So that monopolizing of economies, that uh, um, harvesting of uh, natural resources like lithium or some other rare earth metal. See, that talking, is going to, that talking, is, about, talking yeah. about a sole supplier, India is already the number one manufacturer and even the internal market for mm -hmm. two and three wheelers in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it already presents its opportunity to lead the EV segment right internally itself. Mm -hmm. On top of that, India originally uh, you know, uh, benefits or supports, uh, you know, there are governmental policies to, uh, you know, uh, help the original equipment manufacturers, that is your OEMs, hmm. uh, with with whatever infrastructure or whatever you know it needs. So, India is embodying the you know strong within and strong outside kind of a strategy. And like you rightly said, so uh, there are going to be different uh, uh, manifestations of uh, geopolitical conflicts related to energy here and there. Yeah. And uh, so basically humans all over are going to be humans. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I could not have put it better that we might have better things to fight for, but that doesn't mean we are not going to fight for them. Sure. Mm -hmm. So Aparajita, uh, it's been a lovely and a quick conversation with you. Uh, we'll look out to have you once again with some other topic on Diplomacy Direct Spotify channel. Uh, until then, uh, thank you so much uh, for being here and for all the followers. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, listen to the other uh, podcasts as well. And uh, we'll bring some good stuff to you as and how it's possible. Thank you so much. Thank you so have much for having me.